Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Living a healthy life and feeling good, it doesn't need to feel hard and it doesn't need to feel like something that is adding extra to your plate. And I think oftentimes we're like, we can't take care of ourselves because we feel like it's going to just add one more thing. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Today on the Less Stressed Life podcast, we have Kristen Dovniak, who is a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating counselor, and trained chef. Her passion is to help women uncomplicate eating and stress less about food to bring back joy into eating again, which is great. She serves women worldwide through her podcast, The Healthy Balanced Mama Podcast, and her online courses by integrating intuition and intention for a less stressed, healthier, and more joyful relationship with food. She lives on an island off the coast of New England with her two sweet and spunky sous chefs, Sage and Wren, where you can usually find her in the kitchen to learn more about her. And we'll talk about this evening. And she's on Instagram as Healthy Mama Chris, or her blog and website are healthymamachris.com. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah. And we chatted a couple of weeks ago. I talked about a lot of things. We talked about stress. We talked about the physiology and relationship that we talked about skin issues. And you're going to talk to us about things that can be a big stress inducer in pretty much everyone's life sometimes. And we can also make it a much less stressful thing. And that is through like making food work well for us, right? What does that really mean? What does that look like? Is it planning? Is it not planning, right? Everyone's kind of got a different view of that. So we'll kind of get into that. But I think the thing that always helps segue us there is tell us about your story and kind of how you got to do what you're doing now, because usually there's a big reason you started doing what you're doing now and kind of you're serving this population. Usually it's in your story somewhere. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, my story is long and winding and we could probably be here for an hour just sharing it. (laughs) But the short of it is that I really started getting interested in nutrition back in high school. I was actually training to become a black belt. So my dad got me into martial arts when I was about my oldest daughter's age now. She's seven. And I was doing black belt training and I started recognizing the connection between how I would train and the things that I ate. So if I ate well or if I skipped meals, then I would either feel good or not so good when I was training. So started learning about nutrition a little bit, got a little bit interested in nutrition, and that turned into a little bit of an obsession with healthy eating, so to speak. And I started really over-exercising and under-eating, as many of us do when we are striving to be the best version of ourselves. It just took it a little bit too far. I've always been a bit of a perfectionist, and by a little too far, I ended up with a full-blown eating disorder in late high school and early college. And balance was not something that I knew because I grew up eating kind of the standard American diet. I ate a lot of processed foods. I grew up with a lot of gut issues and never really knew how to eat in a way that actually felt good for me. And I grew up in a family where it was like either you were on a diet or you were just eating all of the things all the time. And so that was the example I saw. So I ended up in this place of having this really unhealthy relationship with food. And thankfully, I had a friend in college who took me aside and she was like, this isn't healthy. You need to get some help. And thankfully, I listened and I did get some help. But from there, it was this years long journey of trying to figure out what balance actually meant for me. I ended up studying abroad in Italy about six months, actually, after I had healed from this really disordered relationship with food. And I fell in love with food when I was in Italy. And I realized that at the time I was actually in school for nutrition. I was planning on becoming a dietitian, which I ended up not pursuing. I ended up doing sports nutrition. But I decided that I wanted to, at some point, combine my love of food, this like rediscovered love of food with nutrition and really encouraging people to eat in a way that would nourish their bodies, but without obsession. So fast forward several years, I ended up meeting my now husband, who happens to be Canadian. And I needed a reason, an excuse to come up to Canada and live in Canada for, well, It ended up being five years, but to come and live with him. And so I decided to go to culinary school. So I finished up school. I went to culinary school and I started pursuing nutrition in the sense of teaching people how to actually cook food that feels good for them. And so I went to culinary school and all the while I am really trying to navigate what this idea of balance looks like for me. But a couple years after I go to culinary school, I started a business as a personal chef and I worked a lot with clients who had special dietary needs. So this is, you know, almost 10 years ago now and things like gluten-free just weren't very big. And there was a lot of people who had been diagnosed with different health conditions and their doctors were like, you need to go on this special diet. And they'd be like, I don't even know what to do. And so they would hire me to come and make all their meals for them. And so I was kind of in this world of creating all these delicious and nutrient-dense meals for other people. But what was interesting is on my side of things, kind of trying to figure out how to balance things in my own life, I was working like 10 to 12 hour days, commuting an hour, sometimes more. And I wasn't actually putting my health at the forefront anymore. I was eating takeout like several times a week. I really wasn't feeling good. My gut health issues flared up again because I wasn't treating my body well. I was barely eating during the day. I was just kind of snacking on whatever I was cooking for my clients. And I realized very quickly that I was 
not really practicing what I preached. And that is where I started to develop some of the skills that I love to teach people today. And that is things like learning how to meal plan in a way that's really flexible, learning how to prep ahead in a way that works for you and that isn't restrictive. And it isn't that kind of Instagram picture of the bodybuilder style. You know, you've got all of your meals prepared ahead of time and laid out in front of you. That works for some people, but it didn't work for me as somebody who has struggled with a difficult relationship with food. And so I want food to be something that's delicious and joyful, but also serve our bodies as well. So I started developing some of these skills and I started teaching them. In the meantime, I also ended up having a baby. And the whole experience of becoming a mom for the first time, I now have two kiddos, they're seven and three. But in the time of becoming a mom, I realized that these struggles that I had had as kind of a, a busy working woman with just myself and my husband were amplified now that I had a baby, now that I had another life to care for, and now that it was almost even more important that I take care of myself because I was the one taking care of her. And I also also wanted to set a good example for her. I wanted to feed her food that felt good for her and encourage a healthy relationship with food for her, but also encourage health and wellness for her as well. So I started really developing this passion for teaching my story of being in this really imbalanced place when it came to both my relationship with food and then also like the practical side of things, not actually knowing how to practically eat in this way that really worked for me with the busyness of life to apply that to moms specifically and to meet moms where they're at and to share with them that balance doesn't have to be hard. Yes, there is some work in finding what works for us. And, you know, we all have different struggles and health conditions and all of those things. But we can find strategies that work for us and that don't feel restrictive and that honor ourselves and our family without driving us crazy. So I tried to keep it short, but that is my story in a nutshell. Great story. <laughs> kind of where I am today. <laughs> I check, I love notes. It like helps me stay centered and I like love taking notes during conversations. So it's funny because I started to write things and then you'd answer it. <laughs> For example, to underline this, my question was what was your parents? influence, you know, what was that food relationship that you had? And I think we see that a lot in our previous generation, or if you're in your forties now, you were part of that situation as well, where I feel like there was a lot of hit workouts, a lot of over-exercising, under-eating going on. And then yes, the generation before, certainly the parents of that particular subset where I feel like it's people in their forties really experience that hit. I mean, it's certainly many more, but that generation above really struggled with food relationship. And we can't change that until we start to change our own food relationship, right? Yes. So balls you're handed is, and this is the thing, it's like, you can't give what you don't have. And so you have to work on cultivating and developing your own relationship, which I would love to know because you had this shift in Italy. And what do you think were some of the tenets of the shift in Italy that helped inspire you? Because we tend to make food kind of like black and white and sometimes too scientific. And the reason it's like such a big deal is because there's so much emotional stuff wrapped up into it. So talk to me about like, what were some of the things you think were a big deal in Italy for changing your food relationship? Mm. Oh my goodness. You know, the entire lifestyle, I think of the people. So I went and studied abroad, took an Italian class for six weeks in the summer. It was this tiny little town in the south of Italy. It was this family that kind of hosted those of us that were in. It was a college program. And 
I remember just driving. It was maybe like 45 minute drive from the airport. I remember just driving in and just seeing people sitting outside the little cafes with their coffee and just looking so relaxed. And I grew up in New England and this is a little bit of a generalization, I guess, but we're fast paced around here. (laughs) We don't do anything slow. At least I didn't grow up feeling like, you know, slow living was anything that I ever even aspired to, but they enjoy every bit of their food. They enjoy their cappuccino in the morning and their little croissant with their chocolate croissant. A lot of them would sit outside at this little cafe and just have this chocolate croissant and this cappuccino and they would drink it slowly and they would eat it slowly and they would savor it. And those type of foods would have been so off limits to me when I was in this really unhealthy relationship with food. And then there was this really amazing chef at this restaurant that we would go to as part of the deal with this program that I was going to where we would eat at the same restaurant every night. And we went to the restaurant. It was a couple days during the afternoon and the chef showed us some of the recipes that she was going to cook for us for dinner that night. And I remember just how excited she got when she was just sharing us these really, really simple ingredients that she was putting together into this meal and just the kind of love and joy that she put into just a simple pasta carbonara. And there was just something about her and something about her passion about food. And I was like, I want that. I don't want food to be something that is black and white, that's good or bad, but something that brings me joy. And I think I started carrying that with me throughout that trip. And it really, it seems so silly, but it really did transform my whole mindset around food. I remember coming home from this trip and just wanting to share the things that I had learned with people, wanting to share the food that I had learned, which I still have those recipes and they're all in Italian and I really can't read them. <laughs> but I remember just that that joy of food. And then something that I think a lot of people that I work with, a lot of women that I work with say things like, well, you know, but I have this food sensitivity or I'm dealing with, you know, this health issue or whatever. And I think that no matter how we eat, we can still find that joy and satisfaction in eating. And I think that that is what that trip really showed me. Mm, Thank you for mentioning that because I think that's an issue somewhat like that's a kind of a polarization thing and the integrative versus intuitive eating spaces is that it's like it's cappuccino and croissants all the time. And some people do have food reactions. And in my practice, I like to help people work through food reactions because a lot of them don't need to be a permanent thing. There's something going on in our gut that's creating a different issue going on. And so I really appreciate you adding that last piece, which was that despite what your food reactions are, you can still find joy in other things, right? It's just easy to get kind of down at the beginning of that, right? Especially if it's something you love, but there's usually where there's a will, there's a way, right? Typically. So one of my other questions that I had while you were talking through your personal story was whether you got burned out with personal chefing, because I remember trying to do that during college for a couple. And I'm like, I don't even like, this is a terrible idea for me. This is a good segue into motherhood or maybe being a woman boss that you get very busy taking care of other people where you forget to take care of yourself. And we need flags and like, we need checkpoints in order to say, where am I at? I need to look at my overall mission for my life and like, what would make me happy? And am I in alignment with that or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And I also think that if you don't have a low moment, you can't realize what your high moments are. Right. So you shared like some low which were really important because they're so relatable. We've all felt parts of your story, I think. And so it's so useful to see those lows. You can't have the highs without the lows. So the question is, 
how did you reset when you realized after personal chefing, you were getting kind of burned out? This is maybe the beginning. You were starting to hone some skills. So will you tell us about one, the realization of like, this isn't working and then what you did next and kind of your exploration and how you developed it into skills or like survival mechanisms that you're maybe even using today? Yeah. Well, there was definitely several years after my time as a personal chef. So I worked as a personal chef for a few years and I also taught cooking classes and I absolutely got burned out on it. <laughs> as much as I loved cooking for people and hearing how much they loved my meals, it was a lot of work. Just like anyone who's worked in the culinary industry knows that it's a lot of work and it's physically taxing and I wasn't treating myself well. And so the first thing that I did was really take a step back and take a bird's eye view and recognize that I didn't want to be feeling the way I was feeling and that something needed to change. And so the first thing that I started implementing was while I was still working as a personal chef, I ended up um, stopping working as a personal chef when I was pregnant. Part of it was just because I wasn't feeling very well in the beginning. And so I took a step back there. I still did some cooking classes, but it was recognizing that I needed to develop some skills, like I said. And one of the first things was going, okay, so how can we kind of stop this cycle of me coming home, being exhausted and wanting to just order takeout? And the first thing that we did was start to figure out how I could just prep a few things ahead of time so that when I came home, I realized that I could just personal chef for myself. And that didn't mean doing what I was doing for my clients in that cooking all of the meals ahead of time for several weeks. I didn't want to do that because I didn't really want to be cooking very much on the weekends. If I was cooking for 10 to 12 hours every single day during the week, most weeks for my clients, I wanted it to feel easy on the weekend. So I would take an hour or two and just do some chopping. And this is back in like the really early days of podcasting. And I remember I would put a podcast in and I would just chop a bunch of vegetables and store them in the fridge so that when I came home after a busy day, then I would throw them together. I would either roast up some vegetables or saute them up, have some sort of a protein and just put together a really quick and easy meal. And it stopped the kind of excuses for getting takeout all the time in their tracks. And I'm not against takeout at all. I'm all about balance. That's what I'm about. But it was several times a week and it wasn't serving our budget and it definitely wasn't serving my body. And so simple things like that, doing some really, really light meal planning. So just planning out a few meals a week, especially when it was just me and my husband at the time. And so we could kind of cook once, eat twice. We don't do that as much now with kiddos, but we still do utilize similar methods now as a mom where I'll cook one, you know, batch of shredded chicken. And I will use that in several different meals throughout the week. I'm not spending hours and hours prepping ahead, even as a busy mom to save my week. I'm doing very similar things that I was doing then. And so it was little things like that, little tweaks that I would make, making sure that I was packing myself leftovers for lunch during the day and actually recognizing that my body needed fuel throughout the day. I wasn't intentionally restricting myself anymore during this time, but I was kind of restricting my energy and my ability to feel good by just not giving myself regular meals throughout the day. And I see that a lot with moms. <laughs> it's the middle of the day and they're like, oh, I got my kids lunch, but I'm just eating the scraps off the plate. And fueling our bodies throughout the day is one of the best things that we can do to feel good throughout the day and then actually have a balanced relationship with food because we're not feeling like we're coming to dinner starving because we didn't feed ourselves throughout the day. But I could go on a tangent about that for a long time. Mm -hmm. But those little things, those were the things that made the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. No, I see that all the time without judgment, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, I look at someone's food journal. I'm like, it looks like you're hungry. 
It looks mm-hmm. like you're feeding everyone else but yourself at the lunch. Cause I've been, I've done that. Like I've eaten a bag of chips and a block of cheese for lunch plenty of times <laughs> and joked myself that I'm having my vegetables and whatever. I don't know. I think it was like a thing of guacamole and chips. Like I had my vegetables and my fruit today. No, just kidding. It's like, if I'm starving at 4 PM, that's my check. I didn't eat enough at lunch. Like the end, like there is not, there's nothing else there. So let's like pull this together for people because we kind of know what we should do. But one thing that you said that I thought was important that I kind of harp on as well is that I think that meal planning feels like a noble obstacle in the words of a book I enjoyed finished by John Acuff. It's like, oh, I've created this noble obstacle that I will not accomplish, right? Like I'm going to do this long meal prep. And for me, some people are like to do that. I am not very good at that. Like my meal prep could be, I look in the fridge and see what I have and think about what I would like before I'm like starving and deflated. If I'm going to be starving and deflated at five, ideally I'm not starving and deflated because I ate enough lunch because I had leftovers from the night before and made that my, that conscious decision to eat at that time. But let's talk about, I know you were just talking about some of your meal planning things that you like to do, but will you define for us like what is flexible meal planning and what is real? Like give us some tangible ideas, even if it's something you did this week, because sometimes we just need ideas. Like when I'm feeling a little stuck, I will turn on the cooking channel and I have not done that for a long time because it doesn't feel like a good inspiration at the moment. But like, you know, when you feel stuck, you just need sometimes to get out of your box a little bit. So let's talk through some strategy skills. What is flexible meal planning? You've talked about what like realistic food prep looks like, but for Mm -hmm. someone who's maybe not as savvy, who isn't a personal chef, who isn't a chef in general, how can they start to apply this? Yes. Well, I can say first and foremost, I definitely do not cook like a personal chef or like a chef anymore. (laughs) I mean, I know how to put flavors together and how to season food. And I love sharing that with people and talking to people about how to make their food more delicious. But I cook just like an everyday mom too, because I am, right? I'm a business owner. I'm a busy mom. And life is it's full for us, just like it is for everyone. So the way that I love to share flexible meal planning is there's a couple different ways. Now, I don't think that there's any one size fits all meal planning and meal prep. There's a lot of experts out there that will tell you this is the one way to do it. And I'm not here for that. I'm here for whatever works for you and makes your life easier. So one of the things I always recommend is just planning for five days. Some people just want to plan for three days. That's great. But I never recommend planning for seven days. Unless that count, unless saying, you know, two days are off counts. If you want to plan for two days are off, that's fine. (laughs) But typically there are going to be nights where we are going to be tired and we're just going to want to eat leftovers or we're going to get invited to a friend's house or we're going to want to do takeout or something like that. And so actually planning for that flexibility within our meal plan for those times where we just can't even and we just want to do something really easy is huge to take the pressure off of feeling like we need to plan for every single day during the week. So I always recommend just planning for five days or even just planning for three days, especially if you have a smaller family, you could have leftovers or you could repurpose the food in that meal. And I'll share what that is in a second. So the second thing I love recommending is really not needing to put a date on the meals that you choose. So I love to recommend something called a family favorites list. And so all that is, is taking a list of the meals that you know that your family loves. So your kids will generally eat these meals. Your husband generally likes them. You generally like them. And we have a list of those meals 
And these aren't the only meals that we are going to put on our meal plan, but these are a starting point. So we don't feel like we're reinventing the wheel every week. And then I have a list or a Pinterest board or something like that of recipes that I want to try. So we'll start with those meals that are meals that we know we already love, choose one or two of those. And then we choose one or two recipes we want to try. And then our meal plan is basically done. But instead of saying on Monday, we're going to do I don't know, spaghetti squash bolognese. That's one of those meals we really love. And on Tuesday, we're going to do white chicken chili. And Wednesday, we're going to do enchiladas. We say, okay, these are the five meals I've chosen. I might do a little bit of light prep at the beginning of the week to make those meals come together easier, even better. I know that I can get these meals together on whatever night of the week in a way that isn't going to be super stressful for me. And so I can pick and choose based on what feels good for me that night. Now, For those of us who do have busy weeknights and there are some nights where we do need a little extra support and those might not be the nights that we want to do takeout or those are the ones we find ourselves in the takeout trap because we're like, okay, I just, I don't even have time to cook this meal. That's where utilizing something like the slow cooker or the instant pot and actually naming that one meal that week might be useful. So it could be helpful. And I do recommend looking at your schedule ahead of time before you meal plan and going, okay, Tuesday and Thursday, I'm definitely going to need a little bit more help. So I'm going to choose easier meals. And I'm going to say on those nights, we're maybe going to do the instant pot white chicken chili. And then I'll save the enchiladas that take a little bit longer for another night during the week. So really figuring out what is your schedule look like? Where do you need more support? Having a place to start. So you're like, okay, I'm not just pulling out all of the cookbooks and the entire internet to plan every week, which can feel overwhelming for a lot of people. And I think that that's a barrier to entry to meal planning for a lot of us. Most of us know a handful of recipes that our family already loves. And if we feel stuck in a rut, that's when we bring in those new recipes that we want to try. One of the things I love to recommend is choosing recipes with similar ingredients in them. When we choose recipes with similar ingredients, we can double those ingredients when we're doing some prepping ahead or we're just maybe prepping for one meal on a Monday. We can prep a little bit extra and have that ready to go on a Tuesday or a Wednesday so we don't feel like we're working at our meals every single night. We have a little bit done ahead of time. It's not about you know spending hours and hours creating meals every single week just because we're creating this wonderful meal plan. I'm about making the meal plan work for you, work for your schedule, and not feel stressful to do. My meal planning takes me like 10 minutes every week, and my dinners during the week take me 20 20 to 30 minutes. And that has nothing to do with the culinary degree. It has everything to do with having a plan and doing a little bit of prep ahead to execute that plan. And so one of those things is to make sure that you are utilizing similar ingredients in your meals if you can, because you can double up on those. And the other one would be doing maybe some light prep at the beginning of the week. And so I have a whole course on meal prep where I teach three different styles of meal prep because we are also different. What I typically do is just what I mentioned at the beginning, and that is just some ingredient prep. So I chop vegetables. I maybe cook a couple proteins. So it could be a pot of beans in the pressure cooker, or it could be some shredded chicken. It's just a couple of things that are ready to go that I can utilize within my meals during the week. So I don't have to do that during the week. So really simple things, simple strategies, and 
by the way, I never recommend doing all of these to start. All of this is new and you're like, that sounds really overwhelming. (laughs) I recommend starting in one place, right? Starting with just planning out three meals, seeing if you can use similar ingredients in those meals and asking yourself where you might be able to double up or maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe it's just choosing three meals to plan this week on your busiest days. And then the next week, maybe you plan for five meals. And the next week, maybe you try doing a little bit of prep at the beginning of the week and seeing how much easier that makes your week. But I never think that planning and prep should make your week harder. It should always make your week easier. So that's why I'm all about finding what works for you and running with it and not being afraid to change it if it doesn't work. I'm going to review some of the tips that you gave because they were good and I want people to be able to have a list. For me, sometimes meal prep is just getting the meat out to thaw, right? And I think a lot of people do that, but it's like, that's a good prep because that would be a big wrench in my evening. So like, as long as I know what I'm eating tonight, I feel like I'm ahead. If I don't feel like I know what I'm having tonight, I am behind and it will reflect in like Mm -hmm. the time it goes on the table and whatnot. Because when I'm feeding my family at 7.30, it's okay, it's fine. When I'm feeding them really late, it just sort of all like, I have to step back and realize like, what do I enjoy and not enjoy? Do I like feeding them and then putting them to bed? (laughs) Or would I rather do it earlier because they're already hungry after school? I mean, it's good to like step back and think about what do I think is working and not working in general? And do I have the flexibility to change? I think the worst thing we can do is think that we don't have control over our lives. There are things we do not have control over for certain. And I have friends with farm husbands that I have this one in specific where her husband it's one of his tenants that he wants to eat supper as a family. So they will wait until like late to eat supper. But that is like the value piece, right? For them personally. And food isn't just black and white. It's like, there might be optimal times to do things or things that would work better for you. But it's like, it's also this whole emotional piece as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know even know why I got into that tangent. But what I really enjoyed it was even if five days feels like too much, feels like too much to me a lot of times. Sometimes I'll write it down. I'll like scribble it down. And I think what you're saying is kind of that. You don't need to assign this to a day. You just need to like brain dump a list on the fridge. Like, hey, I had an idea when my brain was in a good spot on Sunday or Monday. (laughs) My Monday is usually my Sunday. So like I had a good idea and I can go ahead and execute that. I don't have to rethink it. And I think also like when we try to make things complicated, because I used to make at least a third of everything I made with something new. And like that just does not happen anymore period at the end. (laughs) But I love the idea to have a list of things that you know are family favorites because you know you're defaulting to those anyway. So just like, that's great. And it's easy. You know how to do that. Family favorites and then things you'd like to try. And I think that's awesome. And just being aware of what that looks like, those things that you want to try. Are there adaptations? Is it going to take a long time? And then picking like favorite list, things you want to try, planning around your calendar and what your busiest nights are putting in that instant pot or slow cooker type meal. And then also similar ingredients and doubling ingredients to prep and head. So I'd actually like to riff on that one because I think some practical examples might be really useful for someone listening to this who's like, yeah, but I just kind of need to be like, give me some ideas for this week. What are some things that Kristen might make that have similar ingredients, like two to three meals where she'll like use the same thing and make it into two or three meals? Yeah. I think a lot of people hear this and they hear me saying using similar ingredients and meals and they're expecting that I'm making like the exact same meals every single day, all week long, or the exact same style of meals. And I'm making very different meals with similar ingredients. So one of those examples is that shredded chicken. I love making shredded chicken in the Instant Pot and I will use whatever chicken I've got in the freezer. We get a meat delivery. So, you know, usually it's either chicken breast or chicken thighs. And I will throw them in the Instant Pot with just some broth. I like to make 
make homemade broth every couple of weeks. Again, in the Instant Pot, I'm all about the ease around here. And so I'll just throw it in there with some broth and I will shred it up. And I can use that in so many different meals. I mentioned that white chicken chili that I love to make. I'll put it in white chicken chili. I'll put it in enchiladas, which is pretty similar to the white chicken chili. It just has tortillas. (laughs) I love using it in chicken soup. And then I love mixing up chicken soup for the different seasons. So in the wintertime, I can add some sweet potatoes or some winter squash to the chicken soup. Or in the springtime, I'll add some wild rice and some dill and some lemon and make it a spring chicken soup. It seems different. It just changed up a little bit by the season. The shredded chicken also works in like a chicken pot pie style soup, which it's very similar to the chicken soup, but it's a little bit creamier, a little bit heartier for the fall and the wintertime. Same thing if I was using something like a ground meat. So if I were using some ground beef, I can use that for chili one night. And then if I love that chili that one night and I want to utilize the leftovers because we always have leftovers for chili because it's really hearty. I have this one beef and butternut squash chili that my family loves, but we always have leftovers. We could have those for lunch the next day, but if I really want to make it easy on myself, I love taking that chili and putting it on top of a big sweet potato and a little bit of cheese on top because my kids love cheese and then we have chili stuffed sweet potatoes the next night. Vegetables also work for this, right? So meat is a really great thing that you can prep ahead or if you don't do meat, you could also do beans. I love putting some sort of beans in the pressure cooker, black beans, garbanzo beans, whatever works for you and whatever works for your lifestyle. But vegetables also work in terms of utilizing similar ingredients. So that sweet potato, you know, baked sweet potatoes don't require a ton of prep ahead of time, though you could actually prep the baked sweet potatoes ahead of time. But you could chop up a huge bunch of sweet potatoes and I have this Tex-Mex turkey taco pie where I steam the sweet potatoes, mash them, and put them on top of some taco-seasoned turkey. And my family loves that recipe. I could also use those sweet potatoes in that chicken soup that I mentioned. I could also use the sweet potatoes in the sweet potato kale and white bean soup that I make. So it's really just about going, okay, how can I take the ingredient from this one meal and maybe choose another meal that also has that ingredient? So when I'm chopping sweet potatoes, I'm peeling and chopping three or four sweet potatoes. You'd be surprised how quickly you peel and chop those sweet potatoes if you're doing it all at once rather than chopping the sweet potatoes and the cauliflower and the broccoli and all of these different vegetables. And we know that variety is important and we want to eat a variety of different vegetables, but I try to do variety more week to week. And we're not obviously not just eating the same vegetables every single day, but I like to do variety kind of within the month so that it's just a little bit easier on me when it comes to prep. So I hope those are a couple of good examples for you. No, it's great. And I'm just going to riff on it a little bit more because it makes me think about phases of life. And I think that we cook differently in phases of life. If what I cooked in college, oh man, I loved having dinner parties in college, which probably makes me sound like a freak, but my neighbors and friends loved it. That was like my favorite thing to do. It is why I got a C in organic chemistry was because I was really busy cooking for dinner parties, honestly, and more comments on that, but it's okay. So it's phases of life. And I used to cook so much chicken. And actually I always talk about this with people that we're very boring Americans. We eat the same four proteins most commonly, right? Beef, chicken, turkey, and pork. And I think about a few years ago, I kind of had a little bit of an aversion to chicken, so to speak. And so I always say like, 
you can use little turkeys in the very exact same way, right? Like we often think about a turkey in a really big way. You could use multiple things in the same, mm-hmm. you know, you could do enchiladas with chicken or be fine. You know, you know that, right? But it was an example you gave where I'm like, you could easily sub out your proteins yes. um, and you get a meat delivery and I got a fish delivery. So that really helps me be diverse because the only diversity we can really get is with fish and wild game, honestly. So that's mm-hmm. like the level of my life now. I'm like, where can I get some of this? Like who's hunting that I can have some elk meat from, which is kind of funny, but I use it in the exact same way just because I'm looking for diversity. You gave some good examples, but I am a lover of the sheet pan. And I would love for you to tell me what are some of your sheet pan favorites? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, you brought up seafood. And one of my favorite sheet pan recipes is a really easy shrimp, pineapple, and broccoli sheet pan recipe that comes together in about 15 minutes. So I make a really easy homemade Hawaiian barbecue sauce. And okay, I say easy homemade Hawaiian barbecue sauce and people roll their eyes at me. Like you make your own homemade barbecue sauce. I promise it it comes together in the same amount of time, just simmering on the stove. It's just pouring a bunch of ingredients into a pot. It simmers on the stove while the shrimp and the pineapple and the broccoli cook in the oven. And we love to serve it over a bed of rice. Coconut rice is even better. I just cook rice with coconut milk instead of water and it changes it entirely. It's so delicious. Or we'll do cauliflower rice sometimes too, but the kids, actually one of my kiddos likes cauliflower better than white rice. The other one does not. So we split the difference. So handy. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so they have very different food preferences. And so at this point, I'm like, you know what? This is going to work for this one. And this is going to work for this one. And we'll just, you know, 50-50. Half the week, one will eat. Half the week, the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, that's one of my favorite cheap pan meals. I am a huge fan of bowls. So meals in a bowl. So whatever I can throw on a sheet pan, roast it up. And oftentimes I will do my meat and my vegetables separately. I know everyone's a fan of those, you know, Pinterest recipes where everything's on the same pan. I know that people are going to get mad at me for this, but oftentimes what I find is if you put them all in the same pan, oftentimes the meat is undercooked and the vegetables are overcooked and that's no good in my head. So I would rather put the thing that takes the longest in first. So put them on just two different sheet pans. I know it's two pans to wash, but it's only two pans. So I will put in the two pans and I'll have, you know, the meat on the top and or vice versa and the vegetables on the bottom cook up the meat, the vegetables are done, and I'll throw together a really quick and easy bowl, kind of like the one I just mentioned. I put some sort of a base on the bottom. I have a ton of vegetables, and sometimes the base is just a bunch of roasted vegetables and a protein, and then I'll throw some sort of a delicious sauce over the top. Tahini sauce is my absolute favorite. I love tahini Me sauce. Too. I mean, everyone loves tahini sauce, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I so love if you don't tahini. know what tahini sauce is, it's ground sesame, and if you do like, yes. if you Google honey tahini or honey mm-hmm. or tahini maple sauce, oh my gosh, it is life-changing. And I get to go through like food protocols with people sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, why don't I make that? It's so good. And it's literally (laughs) when you're talking about bowls, I'm like, man, that sounds really nice right now with some tahini sauce. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, it's really, ultimately, I like to use what vegetables are in season and I usually use something a little bit heartier. So something like an acorn squash or butternut squash in the fall or the winter, and then something that's a little bit lighter. So something like a broccoli or a cauliflower and have that kind of difference in texture. 
Mm-hmm. in the meal. And then honestly, it's whatever proteins we have on hand. I love using salmon. Baked salmon is really easy and cooks up really quickly. And then I also love doing chicken as well. So I have a sheet pan recipe that the kids love. It's ranch chicken. And so I make a homemade ranch, but you could use a good quality ranch if you want to too. But the, again, the homemade ranch comes together really, really quickly. And so I just marinate the chicken in the homemade ranch dressing. And then I toss it with some potatoes and some green beans and put it all in a sheet pan. And because the potato potatoes take a little bit longer to cook. And because the green beans, I actually put the green beans in about halfway and I cook it all together. The chicken and the potatoes cook in about the same amount of time. And by the time they're done, the green beans are done too. And I throw it all on a plate and with another drizzle of ranch on top. And the kids love it so much because what kids don't love ranch, but when you make it homemade, you can make it with some better ingredients than a lot of the ranches that you can get at the grocery store. Well, ranch isn't Um, the same as it was when we were kids. It's like disgusting now. It's like, doesn't even (laughs) taste really that good. Like I like good ranch. Like I like homemade ranch, but the stuff in the bottles, like, what did you do to this? You ruined it somewhere in the last like 10 (laughs) years. I feel like anyway, I did not mean to interrupt you there. No, that's okay. I add so many herbs to my ranch. I love a ton of dill. I do chives. I love a little bit of parsley, really whatever. I mean, right now I'm looking outside and there's absolutely nothing in my garden right now because it's the winter time and I can't wait to have a garden brimming with herbs. But fresh herbs are one of the best ways to make whatever you're making just a little bit, feel a little bit fancier. (laughs) Just take it it up a notch a little bit. It does feel fancy. And they're like their more concentrated version of the benefits mm-hmm. of vegetables, technically. So yes. I have a very black thumb and I don't grow anything very well, but if I could grow something, it would be herbs because I can't really buy mm-hmm. them at my local grocery store because I live in a small town far away yes. from people. <laughs> I have made this ranch. I've made something like this ranch chicken on the sheet pan, but I've used a ranch packet seasoning, but I like the seasonings mm-hmm. from, I love the seasonings from Frontier Co-op or Simply Organic. It's the same brand mm-hmm. essentially, yes. you know, Simply Organic from like the square bottles. Everyone knows these. And so I've done things like that. If, if Kristen is sounding like, oh, if you're like, oh, I can't make homemade ranch, like hmm, just pull out a ranch packet and then you probably could yes. technically. That's what I do. But just throwing out the other potentially easier. And what you said about cooking things on the same sheet pan, I typically do cook them on the same sheet pan, but usually it's like fish or things that cook evenly. What you're describing is how I feel about slow cookers. It's very hard mm-hmm. to put veggies aside from like roast, like root vegetables in a slow cooker without it getting blah. Some, I mean, there's only certain things that work really well. You have to be kind of careful with those. So I throw that out there. You were talking a lot about soups earlier and we're coming out mm-hmm. of soup season. However, and sometimes I get like kickback. I like to use up stuff and make it and put it into soup. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of the other day, oh, stir fry is the alternative clean out my fridge and now instead of a soup option, right? Like yes. different stir fries <laughs> with different sauces, which bottled sauces are great. Like experiment with bottled sauces because mm-hmm. there are so many. So I'm just throwing that in there as well. But you were talking about soups and for people who are like, ah, I'm sick of soup. You could maybe, I'm just thinking out loud, you could put it over noodles or spaghetti or a squash or like rice oh, yeah. or lentils or something to kind of give it it's a comfort food, right? But what if you don't want to eat it as like the bowl? You could put stuff in the bowl when do the soup and like make it a little more thick and dense and different, I guess. You know what I mean? When you were talking about chili over a sweet potato, it makes me think about there's a restaurant, a town 45 miles away and they call it two-way chili and they have very good chili and they do it over spaghetti. So you could do it over spaghetti squash Mm, or regular spaghetti or whatever, right? I'm a huge fan of like, how could I use this in more than one way? So 
a shrimp pineapple broccoli sheet pan. Why don't you tell us real quick what's in homemade Hawaiian barbecue sauce? Well, the base is pineapple juice instead of using like your typical molasses and brown sugar. So I use pineapple juice and I think I use a little bit of brown sugar or you could use coconut sugar as well. A ton of ginger. So it's a little bit more gingery and a bunch of garlic. I love garlic. So uh, the recipe is on my website. So I can give you the actual recipe because I'm like, now I'm trying to think off the top of my head. (laughs) Do you use canned pineapple juice? So can you just pour the juice off? Or no. Yeah, I do just canned pineapple juice. Yeah, because yeah. I want to keep it easy. I mean, right. I can sure. cut a pineapple, but I'm not into it. I don't know any moms who are like, yeah, I'm going to spend my afternoon chopping up a pineapple. No, so. I mean, you can totally use the can. There's some things that canned works well yes. for. Those are what's in my pantry. The other things are not. <laughs> I just have <laughs> yes. the things that work, you know, and that comes from like trial and error sometimes. Like, oh, it's just not going to be a thing. So we've talked through the family favorites list, the things you'd like to try list, having an idea whether it's thawing the meat or actually prepping the same couple of ingredients for the week, working around your schedule. We've kind of riffed on some recipes, which is nice. It's nice to just like talk about it out loud sometimes. So I hope that whoever's listening to this is like, oh, good. I have some different ideas that I can do. You know, but we did talk about, and this is really like your specialty, which is mom's kind of in survival mode. And I'd love to know if you have any tips for a mama in survival mode. And I know that they're the same for everyone else, but maybe like if we can cater this to her for a moment, is there anything you'd want to tell that mom who's like forgetting to feed herself because she's taking care of her kids and reacting to the day? Mm, Oh my gosh. Well, I feel for you first and foremost. (laughs) I think the thing that I want to tell the mom in survival mode is that living a healthy life and feeling good, it doesn't need to feel hard and it doesn't need to feel like something that is adding extra to your plate. And I think oftentimes we're like, we can't take care of ourselves because we feel like it's going to just add one more thing. And it's going to be just that much harder. And I don't have time to meal plan. I don't have time to meal prep. I don't have time to take care of myself. But the truth is that when I stopped taking care of myself, when I was really just, you know, I had a period of time in my life where I kind of got back into this place of being a little bit obsessive with my food and my fitness. Instead of finding joy in cooking and prepping to serve my family, I was really, I was under eating and I was over exercising again. And I burned myself out entirely. And it was really probably the worst stage in my health other than when I had my full-blown eating disorder. And I was falling asleep. My adrenals were completely taxed. I was falling asleep, sitting up, trying to play with my daughter. And the realization came very quickly that I was not showing up as the best version of myself for her. And it took several months of healing and working with practitioners to get my health back in line. And during that time, it was really hard to be present with her. Because then I was forced to really tackle my health. And so what I think I like to encourage moms with the most is to take care of yourself now in those small ways, in those little ways, so you don't get to that place of burnout. So you can show up as the best version of yourself for your kids. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be about eating boring meals. Those meals can be satisfying. They can be delicious. It doesn't have to be about spending hours in the kitchen at the beginning of the week week, prepping all of your meals ahead of time in order to eat in a way that feels good, in order to serve your family. It can be a half an hour at the beginning of the week where you're just chopping some vegetables. So the weeknight just doesn't feel so hard. So you're not running for takeout three times a week. So you are really just nourishing yourself from every angle. 
And so I think that that's ultimately what I want to encourage the mom with. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be boring. And take care of yourself now for your kids, if not just for you, because you deserve it. You absolutely deserve to take care of yourself. So you don't get to that place where I was, where I was burnt out. And then I had to spend a lot more time taking care of myself. So I think that's what I've got for the mom in survival mode. It doesn't have to feel so hard. Yeah, it's good advice. And it is hard. I think everyone who's in the burnout or the adrenal exhaustion mode, it's like a big topic that I've been talking about lately. I think they would tell their old self, like, please slow down, like, please stop and take an awareness check and look at things because it's really annoying. Like once you're in the toilet, it's like, that's your body saying, you don't really have a choice anymore. You've lost all buffers. And now you're going to generally overreact to like all of the things and feel like poop until you fix it. And the normal recovery time can be like a year or two. If you don't have like short, you don't have like smart support, I could say, um, because it, it challenges that it takes lifestyle and just literal nourishment, as you said. So anyway, nourish now because you're too smart to go that way because it's always like smart overachievers, right? Perfectionist types (laughs) that it's easy to have happen to us. So Kristen, where can people find you online? Yeah. So my website is healthymamachris.com. Easy to find me over there. And then I spend most of my time over on Instagram. I'm at healthymamachris, and that's Chris with a K over there as well. And I have a podcast, the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. And I have Friday episodes called Healthy Mama Hacks, where I talk about a lot of the things I talked about today, everything from meal planning to meal prep in a way that's flexible and really just hacks for living a healthier, but also balanced life. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was so fun. I love this conversation. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post. Post.